to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to be in worship with you this morning. I want to let you know that today we are kicking off a new sermon series entitled Family Meeting. Usually we call this season our season of generosity or some churches call it um, stewardship, but it's a time where we come together to talk about the kind of the financial matters that makes all the ministries that happen here at RPC run. But rather than just focusing on finances this month, I wanna ask a deeper question. A more foundational question, why do we give? I believe we give of our time, our talents, and our resources because we're a part of the family of faith here at Roswell Presbyterian Church. Now, whenever I'm coming up with a sermon series, I try to run my ideas just to double check, make sure it's, you know, okay for family content. And, um, And so I, you know, I run by the staff, some of the RPC leadership. And when I told him, I said, I, th- I want to do this sermon series, I'm going to call it, let's call it Family Meeting. Someone says, well, Jeff, are you sure you want to do that? Because, you know, a, l- a lot of people don't have f- positive connections with the concept of family. Some people have been really hurt by their family. Some people don't have a family. Some people are really wounded by their family. And I thought that was a really, a really great question. It got me thinking. And just this past week, I was given a great gift by social media, which I don't always say. And a good friend of mine from seminary, Jonathan Walton, is the dean at Wake Forest Divinity School. Actually, on Friday, they just announced he's the new president at Princeton Seminary, where I went to seminary. But they were having their family weekend, and they're inviting all their families of students to come to campus. And he said, "This, this is a time for families to come together. He says, the term family embraces the family you're born into, and the family you choose. The family you choose is defined by the shared values, the things you value together. You're bonded together, he says, by love and mutual support. It made me think, you know, Roswell Presbyterian Church is a kind of, that second kind of family. It's a family we choose to be a part of. You choose to be here. No one's forcing you, you're not coerced, except maybe for the children. We're so glad you're here at a part of this family of faith here at Roswell Presbyterian Church. And so I hope over the next four weeks, our family meeting will encourage you, will inspire you, give you a sense of gratitude for this family of faith we're a part of. And we're asking people to make a financial commitment for 2023, for for next year, by October 30th. That's our commitment Sunday. So either on that Sunday or in preparation for it, to make a financial commitment for next year so that the leadership of RPC can decide and discern how God is calling us to serve next year. And when you do that, we come together as a family of faith. But before we ever do that, here is why we give. 
Our scripture passage comes from Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. This comes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5. It's the largest body of Jesus' uh, moral and ethical instruction. Okay? This is what he says. This is how I want you to live. Okay, listen to this. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I pray that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word by your Spirit to our hearts that only you can speak, that we might be filled up and inspired to give and to live in response to the good news of Jesus Christ as we are salt and light in this world. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? In my family growing up, our favorite Christmas movie was Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life starring Jimmy Stewart. And it's a favorite movie of ours because it's my mom's favorite movie. It's a Wonderful Life tells the story of George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. On Christmas Eve, 1945, in Bedford Falls, New York, George's uncle, Billy, has taken a deposit from the family saving and loan business to the bank. And on his way, he misplaces it. He loses the deposit. When they realize it's gone, they realize this will, this will mean financial ruin for the family and the family business. It also could mean possible imprisonment. And George Bailey is so angry at himself and at his uncle, he goes to a bar, gets drunk, and he begins to despair. George begins to wonder if it would have been better if he had never been born. He goes home, berates his wife and kids, and then leaves. After walking to a bridge, he climbs up on the bridge and he's about to jump. And just as he's about to jump, he hears somebody else jump into the water. And so he jumps in. And he rescues Clarence Oddbody, who we discover later on is George's guardian angel. And George shares with Clarence his despair. He says, it would have been better if I was never born. And Clarence says, that's absolutely not the case, and I'm going to give you a great gift. And he takes George through the events of his life and what would have happened if he was not there. There was a pharmacist who would have put poison into pills. His brother, George's younger brother, would have died in a drowning accident if George hadn't been there to save him. And then we find out later on that George's younger brother never would have gone on to be a soldier and saved a transport full of soldiers in the war. The workforce housing development project, Bailey Park, would have never been built. It would have been a cemetery. They go in and look at George's mom and his, it would have been his wife, and they're much sadder without him in it. George realizes the difference his life has made in the world, the impact he's made. And he wants to go back to his old life, and Clarence grants him his wish. 
And he goes back to his house on Christmas Eve and his family and all these friends and neighbors have come forward and they're collecting donations. And they're gonna pay for the money that's been lost. And George celebrates the life he's lived. This is such a feel-good, poignant, classic Christmas movie. Did you know that when the film first came out, it received mixed reviews and was a failure at the box office? Yeah, it was seen as a failure for the director, Frank Capra. People thought he'd lost his mojo. Only until many years later did It's a Wonderful Life become recognized as one of the best films ever made. How many people here would rank It's a Wonderful Life on your you know, top five Christmas movies of all time? Yeah, okay, you're in good, good company with my mom. <laughs> Why is it so popular? I believe it's be so popular because it deals and asks with a timeless human question. Would anyone care if I had never been born? Have I made a positive impact on the world? Does my life matter? This is the Jimmy Stewart question. Would the world be any different if I wasn't in it? Have I made a positive impact in the world? As a family of faith, would anyone care if Roswell Presbyterian Church wasn't here at 755 Mimosa Boulevard? This is the Jimmy Stewart question. Does our life, both as individuals and collectively, have we made a difference? Is the world any different because we're in it? And when Jesus addresses this question with his followers, he asks them to make a difference in the world by being salt and being light. He says, do you feel like you're making an impact for the kingdom of God? Be salt and light. I ask you, are, are you making an impact? Or do you feel like George Bailey? I'm only one person. I don't have many resources. What if I ask you if you had never been born, if you weren't, weren't here, do you think oh, I'm just a small speck in a gigantic ocean? My life doesn't make a difference. I often wonder myself, am I making an impact? I, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's not a, I don't serve in a mega church. I, we don't even have a television ministry. You know. <laughs> Are we making a difference? And guess what? If you feel like that, you're in good company with Jesus' original listeners. Remember the crowd who's gathered before him. They're rural peasants. They're poor. They have little learning. They're uneducated. They have barely any cultural, political, economic power. And yet here Jesus is saying, be salt and light in the world. If they would have assumed, no one would have noticed if they were never born, Jesus says, hogwash. That's the Myers version. Hogwash. People will notice if you're salt in life, you can make a difference. You can make an impact even if it's small. Salt is small, but you know when it's there. A little light can be seen from a long way away. It doesn't take much to make an impact. The first image that Jesus turns to here is salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, as we all know, salt has two primary functions. First, and especially in the first century, it's a preservative. And second, 
And even in our own day, it's true. It, it's supposed to enhance flavor. Remember that in the first century, there was no refrigeration in Palestine. They needed salt to preserve meat to eat. Salt was a matter of life and death. I once read a description of biltong, which is a dried cured meat in, from South Africa. And actually some folks from South Africa at the last service said they're going to bring me some, so let me know, I'll get you some. It was in this book called In Search of South Africa. Listen to this. The meat, having been cut and trimmed to be re the required size, is well rubbed with coarse salt. If properly cured, it will keep indefinitely. If you have the right amount of salt, it can last forever. Jesus is telling his followers to be a preserving presence in the world. How many great organizations begin, start out strong, they grow, then they kind of plateau and eventually lose their way? How many organizations make an impact for a while and then later are non-existent? And think about the Christian church. It's been around for 2,000 years. It began as a fledgling little group of peasants in Palestine who were powerless. They were in the backwoods of the Roman Empire. No one cared about them. They didn't have much. Oh, but they could be salt and light because they knew who they followed. They put Jesus Christ at the center. And as long as the church for 2,000 years has put Jesus Christ at the center of its mission and ministry, it can make a difference. Although as soon as it puts itself, its own pride, its own power, its prestige, at the center it begins to lose its way. And we have plenty of examples of that. And so Jesus is saying, be salt and be light. But salt isn't just a preservative. It isn't just meant to keep things going. It's meant to spice things up. Salt makes things taste better. In just the right amount, salt enhances flavor. Like all spices, salt makes a difference when it's working. You know it's there. That's how spices work. I don't know if I've ever told you all that in college and during seminary, I was a manny, a male nanny. It's true. When I was living in Seattle, I worked for this family taking care of their two boys. And the parents were both doctors. So oftentimes they didn't have enough time to prepare dinner. And so guess who made dinner for the family? That's right, 22-year-old Jeff Myers. It's horrifying to think about. <laughs> and the mom, whose name was Linda, she would usually ask me to prepare easy dishes, mac and cheese, frozen pizza, things like that. But one day she asked me to go to the grocery store and to buy ingredients to purchase ingredients to make a stew, stew. And the stew recipe called for a garlic clove. Now, for those of you who don't cook with garlic very often, I need to tell you something. At the grocery store, they sell garlic in a bunch, which is called a head. And each individual piece of that head is a garlic clove. But I didn't know that. And I put the whole head of garlic in the stew. 
I never said a word to anyone because I figured I was following the recipe. Only sometime after that, a chef friend of mine informed me and educated me about my mistake. That indeed, a head of garlic is not the same thing as a garlic clove. Linda never mentioned it to me. And you can believe I never mentioned it to her. And I just figured they thought it was the Myers secret stew recipe. <laughs> but that's not how spices are supposed to work. You're supposed to know if they're there. They should make an impact. They should make things feel better. If you're not salty, what are you good for? Jesus seems to be saying. We should be like salt and we should be like light. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Notice how Jesus uses, starts with this real big imagery and then gets smaller. He says, you are the light of the world. As a collective church, as a universal church, we should be making a positive impact, shining light in the world, globally, universally. But also we should be a city on a hill. They cannot be hid even if you try. You can't hide it. And third, your light is to be like light in a house. What kind of light? House light, warm, inviting light. We're not called to be blinding lights, thank you, weekend. But warm light. The light that welcomes people into the house, lets them move around. The key to being the light that Jesus wants us to be, listen to this, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. By being a warm, inviting light, you're welcoming people into the source of all light. We're like little light reflectors, reflecting the divine light into creation and pointing to Jesus Christ. And when people see it, they will give thanks to God. So I ask you, are you lighting up anyone's life? Is anyone in the dark and they're coming to you to shine a light in their darkness? Because Jesus says, be salt and be light. And when I think about salt and light in terms of the Jimmy Stewart question, would anyone care if we never existed? And friends, this is a family meeting, and I've got good news for you. If you're part of the family here at Roswell Presbyterian Church, if we weren't here, we would be missed. If you give financially to RPC, you are making an impact. You are making a difference. You are being salt and light. Where would North Fulton Community Charities or the Children's Development Academy be? Where would the thousands of children and youth who have come and walked through these halls and have been ministered to, where would they be without this church? I think about all the kids that have met their best friend here. All those lives that have been transformed on mission trips. Think about all those folks right now, even as we meet together, who are worshiping from home all over North America. Where would they be? Where would the thousands of weddings and memorial services and funerals be? For almost 200 years, Roswell Presbyterian Church has put Jesus Christ in the center, trying to make a difference in our world. And I say this not as a statement of pride, but as a statement of fact. And as a challenge. 
that now it's our turn to step on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. Now we take the baton of faith and move forward in ministry to continue to make an impact for Jesus Christ, to be salt and light as individuals and as a community. A few years after leaving Seattle, I was living in Princeton, New Jersey, and I applied for a Manning job. I listed Linda as one of my references. The reference must have checked out because I got the job. And after I got the job, I told the mom, Jeannie, Jeannie's her name, I said, Jeannie, I have to warn you about my cooking skills. That's not really where my competitive advantage lies. I said, you see, there was this one time I was working for Linda's family. And I cooked this stew. And I didn't know there was a difference between a head of garlic and a garlic clove. And so I just put the garlic, the head of garlic in the stew. I said, I just, I was really lucky because... They never knew. Jeannie said with a smile, oh, Jeff, I talked to Linda. She told me all about your stew. Trust me, they knew. Let's give people a reason to be glad we are here. Let's make a difference in our world and in our community by our presence in it. Let us be salt and light for Jesus Christ. We ask you to worship regularly with us. We ask you to stir, serve in the ways you've been created and called to serve. But we also ask you to commit to financially give. It helps all of this ministry happen. And when you do, you are making a difference. You are being salt and light. And if you do, you can then answer the Jimmy Stewart question just like George Bailey could. You are making a difference. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for the impact the RPC has made in our community for 2,000 years, or 200 years, the church 2,000. And so I thank you, God, for this great tradition we're a part of, this great community. And I pray that we might step up, serve in the ways, make a difference and an impact in the ways you call us to. In your name we pray. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.